Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I am your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Alan. Hey, that's me. And then I have your uh, your your love partner in life, your your best friend, Sean. Hey, how's it going? Uh, that was a lot that you... Is well, that we'll a... talk about that later. <laughs> we, can, we, we can come back to that. <laughs> Sorry, <Okay>. Crystal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we can come back to that. If, uh, if this is the first time you're listening to the Tuesday Night Podcast, uh, this is a board gaming podcast or a table talk podcast or anything and everything about cardboard and cards and dice on or near a table. I like to think we start with table talk and then it becomes a variety show. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think we start with table talk and quickly get derailed. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And our goal is always to get these episodes uh, around 30 minutes. We have unsuccessfully done that week after week. So let's try today and let's move into our first segment of Table Talk. It's time for a Table Talk. Which is just a variation of uh, what have you guys been playing? I don't know if either of you want to start off. First off, I just got to say I love these segment intros or whatever. They sound awesome. Um and it makes me feel all warm inside. <laughs> I don't even know which segment music we used because I made some, but I won't be insulted if you don't choose to use them, SBJ. It's oh, totally I, I, like... they're going to use this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, cool. That's I, how I, I know that I love them. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I used one great. last week and uh, at least a couple of people came out and told me they really liked it. So. Oh, cool. Sweet. Thanks. When I say last week, I mean yesterday because that's when I published it. <laughs> I'm getting texts from people I haven't heard from in like a year. Like, hey, heard you on the podcast. It was pretty cool. And I was like, oh, dear Lord, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, I've actually I have more uh, listener feedback, too, if we get into that segment. But what segments are we doing today? Oh, we're already in the midst of table talk. Whoops. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Let me lay out the show for you guys today. So uh, we're going to start with table talk. And then if we have time, we're going to do like icebreaker games, games that uh, would be great to start off a party or even to introduce to people who haven't played board games. And then we have our, um, what are we calling the last segment? Is it an interrogation? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, where that's where we all uh, ask each other a question that's can be, but not not normally board game related and then find out more about all three of us here. So, um, Alan, do you, have you played anything this week? You probably did. I played so many games. It's sick. Uh, let me look at my list here of different games that I've played. I played, uh, but not limited to Thingy, which I'd like to talk about, mm. Tiny Epic Galaxy, Operation Faust, and Yardmaster Express. Any of those tickle your fancy? I want to hear more about Operation Faust. What's that game about? Operation Faust. All right. Uh, so you want to try to the 30 second elevator pitch for it? Here no, because I, I don't know how it plays. What's, okay, what's, a, all right. what's a Faust? Faust? You guys yeah. don't know about Faust? I know all about Faust. I don't know Faust what a Faust sold, is. Dr. Faust to the devil? Nice. Oh. You don't guess it? Mephistopheles. Yeah, Mephistopheles. Goethe wrote it. Yeah. yeah you lost yeah. me. <laughs> oh, wow. Read a book, SBJ. Jeez. Ooh. Uh 
But the game, Operation Faust, is you are reclaiming art after World War II, and you send in certain characters, which is spies and French militia, all sorts of different characters. But realistically, what that really means is it is coup without elimination. So if you've ever played coup, it's the ultimate bluffing game where you have character cards that have abilities, and you go ahead and you get money which is a type of currency, obviously. So in this game, it's currency. But with that currency, you can go ahead and spend that currency to uh, basically try to eliminate a character in in coup. But in this game, what you're doing is you're buying art. And once you get a million dollars worth of art, then you win the game. So it's the first person to a million dollars and there's no elimination. I love that so, phrase, a million dollars worth of art. Like, I'll take a million dollars worth of art, please. <laughs> Let me let me put this out on the table. Is it better than Coup? Mm. In my opinion, this is weird because I know the creator of Coup, and he's a brilliant guy, super fun to hang out with, and his game is fantastic. But yes, I like it better than Coup. The creator of Coup got out of my vehicle at BGG last year because he was terrified to ride with me. If you remember yeah. that, Alan. <laughs> yeah, we were on our way to the famous Chad Hoveter party and he bailed. He's like, nope, not getting in this car with you guys. I'm out. My car has this weird dent in the back. It's like a 92 Nissan Maxima. It's a terrible car. And we had, tra- uh, we had Travis, Travis Worthington, Travis Worthington uh, me, Alan, and then Ricky Tiki Ta. Is that how his name's pronounced? You nailed it, man. All right. Well, I'm sure I'll hear more about that. Um, and he gets in the car and the car sags a little bit and the wheel well starts scratching up against the tire like uh, and we're in the parking lot. And he's like, uh, I got to get out of here. See you guys later. And then he just bolts. And then Travis yeah. is like, I'll pay for a cab. Let's just never take your car again. Such a great Travis Worthington impersonation. Yeah. Yeah, Travis Worthington really talked talked him up too. Said this guy's a genius. He doesn't even need the money on coup, but he's fantastic and apparently a huge humanitarian. Travis Worthington may have been blowing smoke up our bums, but that's what he said. So, <laughs> so coup is like a kind of kind of really strong with four to five players. Can play up to six. Plays in like ten minutes. Has elimination. Is this game similar? This game plays three, which I've played three, I've played four, and it plays up to eight, and it plays three magnificently. So it was a lot of fun, and it plays in about 30 minutes. Really tense. That's a lot longer than Coup. Yeah, it is longer than Coup, because there's no elimination. So it's mm-hmm. not as simple as Coup. There's definitely more rules, but once you get it going, you're off like a prom dress, and it runs as smooth as butter. So it's, it's great. I like this thing we're seeing in social deduction gaming now where for every social deduction game that has elimination, there's its counterpart that doesn't, that's the same game, but without elimination. <laughs> yeah. 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 It adds a lot to it. It's really good. Anything else you want to talk about before? I want to hear about tiny Epic thingy or what was that game called? Thingy is the game that I've been working on. And then tiny Ooh. Epic galaxies is from the Gameland Games universe of Tiny Epic Kingdom, Tiny Epic Defender, and Tiny Tiny Epic Galaxies is their latest and greatest that's just hit everyone's home from Kickstarter. Nah, let's talk about Thingy. You want to talk about Thingy? Yeah, what's, right. what's up with what's Thingy? All right, so in Japan, there was this really popular show called The Line Game, and they had a segment called Demons and Angels, and it's this reality show where everyone's living together, 
but they play these social deduction games. It's pretty cool, and they get eliminated at the end of these games. Then Korea ripped it off, and they called it the zombie game, and the Korean television show is called The Genius Game, I think. Anyway, uh, hmm. I looked then at it, and you I thought, ripped it off. And then I ripped it off, and I decided, well, I think this would be great it, with a smaller group of friends, see if we can make it work without a reality show. So the way that thingy works is that if you have about 10 people, two people are infected and there's three rounds. Each round lasts 30 minutes and you need a host for this, unfortunately. And as the host, which was me, all I do is I pay attention because at the end of 30 minutes, you need to have touched someone. There's like this touching stone. And so you touch someone. And if you are non-infected and you touch someone else who's not infected, you get one human point. If you're <laughs> infected and you touch someone who's not infected, then the infected gets one infected point and the non-infected becomes infected. Then uh, if infected touches infected, nothing happens. The cool thing is the only thing that's revealed is at the end of the round. So at the end of 30 minutes, all I say is how many infected there are. So round one, two infected, eight humans. Then at the end of round one, then it's however many infected, and then same thing, the end of round two. Uh, so the interesting thing is how do you win? Well, if you're infected and you infect a human, you get one point in the first round, two points for every human you affect in the second round, and three points at the in the third round, but you don't know how many points you got, but it doesn't matter at all if humans still exist at the end of the last round. Humans, you get points, whoever gets the most points wins, but if there's a tie, they get infected. So let's suppose Sean has six points and SPJ has six points. Guess what? At the end of the game, you both turn infected and therefore the infected win and whoever has the most infected points wins. Yeah, so that's thingy. My girlfriend's been in Europe for like three weeks, and so I can tell you it's been a long time since I've had any human points. <laughs> How about those infected points, though? I'm really racking up on the infected points at the 7-Eleven on the street from me. Good. <laughs> so you're saying this is... what? Why, why 30 minutes? That seems like a long time. Because you need it. In reality, when we played, we made them 15 minutes. I cut it in half. But 30 minutes is a long time because you have to keep in mind... You know nothing. You only know what you are in the beginning, but the infected don't even know who the infected are. So there's a lot of side conversations that happen. And when time actually goes pretty quickly, and it seems to be pretty well received. It, the hardest part of it is taking notes. And I hope I can show the little grid that I made up and maybe we can have it as a print and play or something like that where you just print out a sheet just a single sheet where you write everyone's name down and as the host you just keep track of who touched whom when they touch them how many points they have so it does require a host and it's a little bit of an counting process on the host part but yeah it went pretty well wouldn't wouldn't the infected person just run after everyone no because if everyone knows who the infected is, they wouldn't touch them. Did I did I forget to say, if you don't touch someone within a round, at the end of the round, you become infected. So hmm. everyone has to touch them. And by saying touch, you have to touch this touching stone. So you have to come to me, the host, and say, hey, we're touching each other. Like, SP, oh, okay, I'm okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry if I totally missed that. My dog's barking in the background. It's distracting the crap out of me. Hold on one second while I go tamer. 
So now that Alan's gone, what do you think about Thingy? Yeah, it sounds, sounds like it kind of sucks. <laughs> no, no, it sounds fine. He it's just, just karate chopped his dog, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think we can leave this in because it's, it's coming to gold. No, um, this is perfect. Yeah, poor Gilly. Uh, I'm interested, though. I have This is the first I think that I've heard about this, but Alan talks about games he's working on a lot. Um, it, feel, it feels like a convention-only kind of game. Which is what we make here at Tuesday Night Games, um, because no one we know has enough friends to play any single one of our games at home. Um, which is which is surprising <laughs> that it makes it through playtesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't think anyone would actually... Yeah, this is just a freebie. Like, we won't even sell this or publish it, because it's literally just someone keeping track. It would make a killer app, but yeah, this is definitely not for retail. Yeah, you probably missed it. I just said that it sounds like, sounds like a convention game. Which isn't a knock, it just... I can't. Hey, we make good convention games, man. <laughs> we make good convention games, and Jason Tagmeyer makes good convention games. Yeah, for, he does. For our listeners, who is that and what did he make? Jason Tagmeyer, uh, what did he make that's big? What's his like claim to fame? Pixel Lincoln. Pixel Lincoln, that's right. I hate that game. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I have his movie plot stuff. He makes these great wallet games and he makes the con card game. Seven sevens. I love that game was awesome. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, Steve, you've been playing anything? No, no, I actually, uh, I'm doing a game night tonight, so I'll have something for next week. I don't know what I'm playing yet. It's going to be five people. I have flick them up and I have not opened it yet. And I think that'll go over well. That's cool. Sure. Flick games are big right now, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a friend who's super into dexterity games, and anytime it's like he he wants jungle speed, he wants like coconuts, he wants lumber, click clack jack, whatever that game's called. You just like sounded like list off like four, you know, street drugs. Yeah, he wants <laughs> click clack. He wants uh, yeah jungle I speed. I need some gem blow. You got so, any of that gem blow? My uh, favorite dexterity game I've seen in a while is uh, Steve Avery's Rubber Banditos that Alan and I got to play with oh, him at uh, Gen Con. Steve Avery, by the way, like one of the best guys in the industry. Um, and you'll know him because he always sounds like this. Hey, guys, what's up? Uh, we got to hang out later because he never has a voice by the end of the first night of the convention. He's just such a big personality. Um, and I love that. He really doesn't know how to pace himself at all, which is such a great you know quality of his. Um, <laughs> But yeah, rubber banditos, you're you're all these bandits and it's the, you know, Mexican standoff at the end of the movie and you're firing these rubber band guns at each other, completely un like publishable from a manufacturing standpoint. <laughs> um just because it has so many components and so many things where like kids can put their eyes out. Like, from my understanding, Alan, did you hear this too? You shouldn't even like make rubber band guns. Like it's hard to make to make those like legally, right? Because there's such a liability. Yeah, I don't feel like I should talk about my rubber band gun collection because it's so illegal. So let's not talk about that. <laughs> well, you know, everyone in the North has a huge rubber band collection, rubber band gun collection. <laughs> um, and I think that's just a cultural thing where you're from. Yeah, you know, if every single person in the North has enough rubber band guns to arm everyone in the United States three times. So for those three people that don't own a rubber band gun... I got you covered. And we don't need rubber band gun control. We need rubber band control. I think that's what Chris Rock said. That rubber yeah. bands should be more expensive, not the rubber band guns. All right. Uh <laughs> I, I don't have a segue off that, but uh do you guys want to talk about icebreaker games? 
Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Sean, did you say what you've been playing? Uh, I haven't been playing anything. I got to do a cool thing yesterday, though, um, which is a little off topic. I got to go to UNT. They're having a thing called Pixels and Pieces, which um, is like a game design workshop over the next semester or so. Um, and I got to go give a talk that I gave last year about game design, which I'm totally not qualified to do in the like Tuesday night game company. Like Alan should be giving the game design talks. Um, I should be giving the like holding production up talks. Um, <laughs> it's but, funny because I was invited to University of Toledo to give a talk about how to be late. So I just didn't show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my uh, that's my winning strategy. Just don't show, man. Um, but it was cool. I was last year it was a bunch of kids. This year it was college students. So I was totally thrown off. But it was nice to not have to like not hold back, but like, you know, we could just, we could go at a speed, um, that I was really comfortable with, but it was cool. They had a great game library there. I gave them a copy of terms and a boom. And I realized how easy it is to talk about game design. If there's a stack of really brilliant games sitting there, because you could always just at any point be like, and, uh, this is the cool thing about pandemic or whatever. <laughs> um, so it was super fun. Didn't get to play anything. Um, but it was a really cool program. I know Colby's going up there in February. They said, uh, which is pretty cool, but um, that was fun. When he says Colby, he means T Colby Douch of Plant Hunt Games. Is it Douch? Is it Douch? Dutch? Dutch? I don't I know how to pronounce that guy's last name. Douch. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I always just call him Colby. Where can I get my copy of Mage Wars? And so I've never really learned how to pronounce this. That last is name. one thing I want everyone who listens to our podcast to please understand and do. When you see Colby, if you see him at any convention, please. Just do him a favor because it makes him feel good. Walk up and ask him to tell you about the latest Mage Wars expansion. He'll love you for it. Is that his like bread and butter? That's his bread and butter. <laughs> he loves Mage Wars and expansions. and he This just... is the end of our relationship with Colby right now because he's going to murder Alan and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Kodiak Colby from Dead of Winter style. He's just going to take an axe out and chop us to pieces. Ooh. Icebreaker games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's time for the topic of the episode. Okay. Uh, SBJ, what do you think? Icebreaker games. You I have the whole group. They don't know how to play games. You don't know them. How do you get to know them with what mm, games? Mm, mm, mm. I would probably start off with, this is a real lame and basic example, but my kind of go-to is Love Letter. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Do you guys not like it? No, I, I love Love Letter, letter. but yeah. why is that your go is it your go to I guess we should talk about like what's an icebreaker? Is an icebreaker to bring people together that don't know each other? Or is an icebreaker to bring people who don't know the hobby but maybe know each other into the hobby? Yeah, are you talking gateway games or are you talking icebreakers, SBJ? Yeah, let's define our terms here. Mm, I'm thinking, well, well, my my game groups are probably way different than yours, but I feel like every time I organize a game group, there's always like this one person that I kind of know that just kind of appears. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, okay, uh, this is, uh, I have no games here that I was planning for. You guys told me five. I have games for people for four players. Uh, so when I think of like, when I think of that, I feel like anytime I go anywhere, I always have love letter with me, and I usually always have a couple other games, regardless of whether what what the initial player count was told to me. Ah. So this is kind of like an everyday carry game. This is a game yeah. that you got on you just in case something happens. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's probably more like emergency games because when I think of <laughs> icebreakers, I think of, hey. Two rooms and a boom. Let's get to know each other. Let's take the edge off of this. Let's lubricate this situation a little bit. When I think of gateway games, I think of games for non-gamers that will slowly introduce them into the gaming environment. And emergency games are, oh crap, I'm in the middle of some weird situation and I want to play a game. What's a game that I think everyone would like to play? Boom. There we go. So yeah, we've divided this into three subtopics, <laughs> and I think subtopics and subcategories are always interesting in a podcast. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, Alan, what's your favorite icebreaker, according to your definition? To my definition of icebreaker? Oh, uh, that would be monikers. Absolutely. Ooh, monikers. yeah. Yeah, we talked about monikers before because you can hate games, you can love games. It just... But you really... can't hate monikers. Yeah, specifically, again, the cooperative version, because then everyone's working together to try to guess the cards that everyone already knows. And by the end of the game, you already have so many inside jokes. That's by the end of the night, you could just be like, you know, elbow. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's it's hard to hate monikers, but it's it's easy to hate like the game it's based off of, which some people call it fishbowl. Some people call it celebrity. But we call them piles of shit where it, no, no, we don't call them that. <laughs> Whereas uh, the, 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 the poor man's version is everyone writes down like 10 things or people or names and then throws them into the bowl. And that's how the game begins. And that usually that usually starts with like, oh, I don't know who uh, Bill Gates is. Uh, that's not fair. And then I'm looking at someone and I'm going like, I don't know who uh, Justin Bieber is. Who are you guys hanging out with that you don't know some of the basic biggest celebrities on the planet? <laughs> Well, again, uh, in my, my situation, it's, oh, I kind of know some of these people and like I'm a big tech nerd. And apparently this person's a big uh, like people magazine nerd. <laughs> so this is why Monikers is amazing because yeah, yeah. you can know none of them and their descriptions are right there. So you can just read the descriptions. It's educational that way. Well, I think the, the first rule of Monikers is you give everyone like five cards and they pick two. So you're giving them a lot of like choices from that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. People are in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny, which I love in games. Yeah, I can't say enough great things about monikers. My favorite icebreaker game, I, I've never played it, but I would love to, is that Kama Sutra <laughs> game. <laughs> um, oh, man. Quick pitch is uh, there's a deck of cards that have sexual positions on it, like in the Kama Sutra. And what you have to do with the people in your group is blow up a balloon, put it between your private parts, and make the gestures that are on the cards. The first team to pop the bubble wins a point, as I've heard it described. It's probably not a great game overall, but I can't imagine walking away with that without thinking like, well, we know each other pretty well now. <laughs> Here's the awkward thing about this. This is a game uh, sent to us by Bruno Fatiti, and I'm not sure we're supposed to talk about it. Because he's trying to get it published. So should we edit that out or should we leave it and let people know, hey, if you want to publish this, talk to Bruno Fadidi? Uh, well, I mean, it's online. You, if you Google Bruno Fadidi, uh, Kama Sutra, like it's out there. Oh, sweet. Then let's do it then. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure our podcast is going to rally behind. <laughs> uh, but my, my other like, I think more what Steve was thinking about at the beginning would be like King of Tokyo because it's Yahtzee. It's fun. You can, you know, it's a beer and pretzels game. You don't like get to know each other better, but it's definitely that I guess you would call it gateway game or that simple game where 
I would I would feel comfortable bringing out in front of everyone. Um, Man, which is definitely a, not the case with a real bad king. If you, if you guys name a game, I probably have a bad story about how that game failed for my play group. Your game, your group didn't like King of Tokyo. Yeah, wait, wait, it was. How did Kama Sutra fail for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that one was big success. Uh, king <laughs> SBJ tried sexual humor. It was awesome. Uh, uh, king of Tokyo failed. Uh, we were doing so. I had six people over which uh, I do not recommend playing King of Tokyo with six people. I no. feel like that game hits its stride at like four, kind of five. Um, but uh, I did the, this was when I first got into gaming and uh, King of Tokyo was extremely rare and I found a copy and I'm super, super excited to play. So I had everyone over and we set it up and I already read through the rules once. Well, you know how you read through the rules and then you don't actually execute and then once you start, you're like, oh, I have all these questions now. Yeah, that's what it's like every time I run a game of two rooms and a boom. <laughs> Uh, so we went through and like after my turn, I started the game. We got to the second and I'm like looking through the rule books, like thinking of all the questions that might go through my mind. And uh, already we had somebody at the end of the table kind of complaining that like, why don't we play a, why don't we play an easy game like Monopoly or something? <laughs> <laughs> what a great example for something somebody would say, but like Monopoly's not an easy game. No, no. And, and really quick, have you get, when's the last time you guys played Payday? <laughs> Payday. I've never a, played Payday. You know, it's considered one of the staple games with Monopoly and Life. Payday. Mm. Even Life and Payday. Payday's rules, they're actually really complicated compared to most gamer games nowadays, tabletop games. It's pretty amazing. But go on, SBJ. So sorry. Yeah. And then a lot of a lot of my board gaming groups involve couples. And so when you get one person complaining and that significant other sees that there. They jump on. They jump on. So now, now we got two, two against four here with a, a new game of Tokyo, a new game which is King of Tokyo, and we finally make it through a full round. And I was like, okay, like some people were like, yeah, this is good. And then we saw the two people not, and I was like, all right, like sandbagging. We can, we can totally play Monopoly, and I'm, I'm all for Monopoly. I don't hate, I don't hate Monopoly. I just dislike it. I was like, we can play Monopoly as long as we play by the official rules of like auctioning and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we set it up. And like the first question that person has off the bat is like, how much are we going to put in free parking? <laughs> and I was no like, no one plays Monopoly the same. And I was like, nothing, nothing ever goes in free parking. And she's like, well, that's not how, well, uh, how I play it. Let's start with $100 in free parking. And I was like, no, like, look at the rules right here in the rule book. It says nothing, ever, nothing happens on free parking ever. Like, that is not a rule. <laughs> I would watch a documentary about the growth of like the house rule movement in relation to Monopoly because I feel like every home you go into, it's like, cool, so like, you know, what religion are you guys? And, you know, what are your thoughts on animal rights? And, Good uh, news, Sean. How do you play Monopoly? <laughs> that documentary exists. There so, is a Monopoly really? documentary. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. I, I can't wait a- to put that on my Netflix queue and then never watch it. It's pretty good. It is. is. I I watched it from beginning to end, and that's saying something in my book. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That's a pretty high praise, man. They Uh, talk about how free parking made Monopoly a forever game. Yeah. That's why it takes so long. So I thought you meant like an evergreen title, like, ooh, I gotta (laughs) play that game with free parking. No, no. Have you guys played with the bonus die? So the turbo die, they call it, where you roll two dice instead of one? Oh. I have not played with it, but the documentary made me want to play with it. I think they call it the speed dice. Exactly. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You yeah. just roll two and you get to choose one. It's that easy. Um, so, fl- so 
fast forward to our game of Monopoly, everyone has like a solid three to four pro- properties, and uh, the couple in question was refusing to trade. And at this point, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to offer you three properties for one of your properties. You actually need one to complete your Monopoly. I need the one you have to complete your Monopoly. And I'll even give you $500. In no way is this trade benefiting me, not even the slightest, because I think I was trying to get the first set of blues, the first three set of blues, next to the jail. And I think I was trading them for the reds, which the reds are the Yeah, the property near the jail is never (laughs) valuable, both in real life and and in Monopoly. And not only was I trading them to complete their reds, which is the most land on, the orange and the red are the most landed on in Monopoly, they they refused the trade. And they wouldn't trade with anyone. This lasted a couple more turns. And uh, then midway through the game, they decided to leave. And that was my game night. That's awesome. That sounds like hey. you got some real good friends there. That was my first ever experience with King of Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, man. Uh, but King of Tokyo is a good, like, icebreaker. If it doesn't lead to Monopoly. I think we tackled that topic. <laughs> you interrogation. Yeah, yeah, well, let's go to interrogation. Uh, who wants to start? And now we are going to interrogate each other. <laughs> one question, one answer. Interrogation. I've got a question for you, SBJ. All right. Why at Dragging a Lake for your Twitter name? Yes, my Twitter handle is at Dragging a Lake. Um, I believe it started, might have started with like MySpace or something really lame like that. Uh, but I was super into uh, punk rock music in in high school. A punk rock a, Pokemon player. I like yeah, that. Punk, I, was, I was very cool in high school, guys. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was... A compilation album of a bunch of different punk rock bands and it was the compilation was created by some of the dudes at blink 182 and they called it uh like atticus and i think the subtitle was dragging the lake i remember that and they i think they came out with three compilation albums but i was super into that uh super into that music because it was like oh i've never heard of all these bands this is cool because i really liked blink 182 at the time and by the way blink 182 doesn't hold up but uh that's where i no no they definitely don't hold up i'm not supposed to ask you a second question i just want to make sure you know what that means dragging a lake yeah 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 i do know what it means i okay. when what i what does it mean when i picked the name i didn't know what it meant so when you when police would drag a lake which would mean they would like normally skim a lake and look for oh. a murder weapon yeah, yeah, when you drag the lake. Okay, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's it's more for the dead bodies. They actually drag a hook at the bottom of the lake trying to see if they can hook the dead body of a supposed missing person. How do I know that? Because the police had to drag my lake at Hinkley. <laughs> so when I saw that name, I was thinking, oh, my. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the childhood home I grew up in supposedly is haunted because someone committed suicide in our lake. Police had to drag him up. True story. But it's your question, SBJ. My question. My question's not uh, not at all as intense. Uh, or maybe I won't have a, a exciting answer like mine. But uh, Sean, I'll make it intense. <laughs> are you a cat, a cat person, or a dog person? Let me tell you one thing about me. Sorry, I just wanted to get a little more intense. Uh, one, I don't own any pets at all. Um, but 
I'm sort of a de facto dog person because I'm business partners with Alan, and Alan's a huge dog person and allergic to cats. But to me, like, good cats are, like, shitty dogs. Like, I love a cat that, like, plays and fights with you. In fact, my favorite cat is Max at the Hinkley House in Ohio. Maximus Flatimus. <laughs> because he'll, like, you know, hunt and jump and play and have a personality. Um, whereas I normally think that cats are, like, uh, pieces of furniture that uh, you have to keep alive. Controversial topic for people who are on the internet a lot. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. We just lost half of our listeners which oh, means yeah. we just lost two listeners. But we bolstered the other half. Like, yeah, <laughs> dogs! Um, Alan. Oh, yeah. What was the last lie you told? Oh. Okay. I'm going to start this by saying... I'd like I to like, have my lawyer present. <laughs> I like babies. So uh, I'm going to say something that's controversial to some people. And people judge me for this opinion. And I don't dislike babies it's not like i hate babies but uh i don't think babies are cute people are like oh baby so cute oh look at the baby and i think yeah i thought part of being a baby is knowing that they're ugly and i even have you know family members like oh my son's so cute when he was a baby looks just like the gerber baby i'm like yeah that's not that's hideous i don't know i don't <laughs> so i don't find babies cute so i'm in this position a lot of times where i i really don't like to lie but one thing i've learned is you have to see the baby when your friends start having babies which by the way selfish but when they start having babies you have to see the baby <laughs> i like how you drop in that like totally not controversial thing you just right in the middle of it by the way, having kids is selfish, but moving on. <laughs> so I, they've even told me before, like, we won't judge you for not seeing the baby. But if you don't see the baby, they're like, what the crap, bro? It's been like two weeks. You still haven't met the baby. So you go to meet the baby and then they ask, isn't this the cutest baby you've ever seen? And because I don't like to lie, I'll say things like, good work, guys. It's <laughs> totally a baby. <laughs> Like, but isn't it so cute? Am I right? Like, this is like it, paying tribute. This is like going to see the Godfather. <laughs> it's a baby. Uh, so basically, I try not to lie and I try to change the subject. But the last time I blatantly lied was a similar situation where someone put me in a lose-lose. And it was when you and I were at the XOXO Fest, Sean. Mm. And there was the creator of Bycatch. Uh, a really amazing, intelligent uh, woman who shared her Uber with us to get to where we needed to go. She was having we were, a rough day, yeah. She was having a really rough day. In fact, she accidentally left her phone in the Uber, too. But uh, when she showed me her game, this is my game bycatch, I was like, oh, my goodness, I've totally played it, which was my idiocy. I shouldn't have said anything. She's <laughs> like, oh, you played it. Did you like it? And I looked her in the face and I said, Yes, I liked it. Ah, uh, <laughs> I think I remember that. That's awesome. All right, that's that, interrogation. That, that whole, like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, would not have worked in your favor there. Like, did you like it? Uh, Do you like cats? Uh, <laughs> your baby's so cute. <laughs> Good work, guys. That's awesome. Uh, well, great. <laughs> that's the show <laughs> uh i feel hey. like our slogan should be that's tuesday night games podcast the 30 minute podcast that's 40 minutes long 
That's right. Uh, where, Alan, where where can uh, the moms find you to protest on Twitter? On Twitter, I'm at Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding! I'm assuming the ding is D-I-N-G. That is a good If you don't know how to spell ding. Yep. Well, they could be using, like, the little bell emoji. That would be perfect. If you were A-L-A-N-G-E-R bell emoji, <laughs> like, that would just blow my mind. Can you do that in Twitter? SBJ, you're the Twitter master. Uh, you cannot have an emoji in your uh, Twitter handle, but you could have it in your Twitter name. That's right. That's right. Because okay. you could change your name to whatever. Yeah. On Facebook, I'm uh, Alan Girding, and you can always contact Sean or myself or our company at contact at Tuesday Night Games. There you go. Uh, Sean, where can they find you? Uh, cat people. I'm looking forward to your comments at, <laughs> at S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Bring it on. There we go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It is at Dragging A Lake. Hey, what does that mean? Yeah. That's not, um, and if it you're, means a, a childhood of nightmares. That's what that means. <laughs> if you like what you're hearing so far, uh, like Alan said, you can uh, you can send send some email and leave some feedback. Uh, I think you can also email podcast at Tuesday Night Games. That's that's, that's right. Yep. What but what you could do that's even more helpful is you can go to iTunes and leave us a review, and that would help uh, boost us in iTunes so more people can find the show. So that would be greatly appreciated if you if you uh, like what we're doing in the podcast. And if you don't like what we're doing, uh, that still go to iTunes and leave us a review, and then uh, we can get better off that. So that's what I gotta say. This has been another episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Yeah! Yeah! And we are... Finished. (laughs) 